0: Sports Finder Community. We're back with our regular segment where we speak to great people from the world of sport, and today it is no different. I have Mr. Joe McMahon with me. Joe, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, Joe, it's my absolute pleasure. Joe, let's get let's go straight into things. Who was who were you as a young man at school?
1: Uh, I was a kid that loved playing roller hockey and playing baseball and I was like you know what I'm going to be a pro hockey player and a pro baseball player when I grow up wow Uh, you know that that's when maybe the like logic center of our brains and like frontal lobe maybe is that where we uh, use logic uh, (laughs) hadn't quite fully developed at that point but uh, yeah loved sports growing up Um, my grandpa worked in sports um, before so just kind of our lives centered around that la king season ticket holders for however many years and um yeah i was uh, a kid that just liked competition
0: very nice take me through, through your journey into college and how you basically got to where you are now
1: yeah so i went to the university of texas um Started with a journalism degree and ended with a journalism degree. Um, at initially wanted to be a sportscaster. I had done some news station stuff in high school, doing anchor and sports reporting. So wanted to become a sportscaster, play-by-play, play, sideline, what have you. About halfway through college, realized that you know I didn't see myself doing that. Um, you know, in, like in any industry, you got to start your way from bottom work your way up if I ever wanted to get back to the west coast that's really hard to do in sports casting because you know not only do you have to be really 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 lucky uh, you think you know Bob Miller Vin Scully out here in LA those guys once once you land a gig in LA as a sportscaster you're not going anywhere you you gotta (laughs) you're gonna probably gonna retire from that you're not not gonna leave it so um, you gotta be lucky have the right timing. And then, um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I was like, I'm a few years off there. Um, also found I just like the business side of sports, um, more, um, from like sponsorship marketing. Um, that was definitely one of the cooler things that I liked. Um, cause there's a bit of a creative outlet with that, um, both on the buy side and the sales side. So, um, Kept the journalism degree and just started taking more like sports marketing and business classes to better prepare myself for getting into the industry from there. Um, And after college was on teamwork online every day, searching for jobs in the sports industry, primarily ticket sales jobs, and ended up uh, convincing my dad somehow to help me out and Put me on a plane to las vegas i was living in austin still at the time got on a plane to vegas for an echl career fair uh, which is you know essentially a double a pro hockey here in the us and landed a job at the career fair with the allen americans which is a pro hockey team about 20 miles north of dallas um so yeah if you that's how i knew i was I was going to be all right in sales because I was able to convince my dad to send me to Vegas by myself <laughs> <laughs> for a career fair. Dad, I promise it's, it's, to, it's to hopefully strictly, get a job. Like,
0: strictly yeah. career fair, nothing else.
1: <laughs> no, zero, zero other extracurricular activities, only business. Um, so yeah, that, that was, um, that was cool. So started my career in minor league hockey. Uh, worked there for about a season and a half, um, having won a championship in that first season that I was there, which is awesome. Um, so then I was like, all right, cool. I've reached the pinnacle of uh, pro sports career. We've won a championship. What, what do I do now? Um, and then um, from there ended up at premier partnerships. Uh, is a sponsorship and consulting agency uh, where I worked with one of your previous guests, Terry Sertakis. Um, Terry. Yeah. Terry's a great guy. And um, from there, um, you know, that like Terry had explained too, you know, Premier sells everything from it. Like if, if you can put a logo on it, <laughs> Premier will, you know, will find a logo that's going to pay to be there. Okay. Um, you know, friend that's like a lot of the consulting and valuation work, uh, you know, kind of leads to that type of thinking. And um, you know, when I was there, you know, we were selling everything from the LA chargers to the South Beach Wine and Food Festival, uh, to the DFW and LAX airports. Um, and we had just brought on a client, Allied Esports, to help sell the naming rights for their venue in uh, Las Vegas, which is now the HyperX Esports Arena, which I had initiated conversations there with HyperX and then another deal with uh, Newegg. And that was how I got my first taste in Esports And while that was definitely more of like a venue partnership structure, um, you still absorb a lot. And then I think once you have a little bit of success in eSports, your name starts to get tossed around. And just like the sports industry, as you know, it's very small. People know people. And um, got referred, ended up at an eSports organization in May of last year. And then um, joined Evil Geniuses in April of this year. So that's, that's the, the medium length story of how I got to where I am now.
0: Wow. You, you pointed out sponsorship. Um, I've had a few, uh, partnership, uh, managers on my podcast and you know, there's always names that pop up uh, about the partnerships that they develop, the sponsorships they attract so on and so on. I mean, to the to the normal person, to to the to the actual student who is looking from the outside in, I mean that's some of these names that we see on stadiums and thing and um and teams and so on. They're huge, right? Like, how how do you initiate these conversations? Like, how does that process happen? Like, where do you go? Do I find people <laughs> in, in, in in the newspaper, LinkedIn, like? How does that whole process happen? That's something that's really, really intrigued me personally. And how does someone like Premier Partners, or is it Premier Sports, Premier Partnerships, Premier Partnerships? How do they build a database big enough to put a logo on anything? As you, as you, as you said. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of times it's networking. Um,
1: you know, I'd be lying if I said it was all based on value and how good the salesperson was. Um leveraging top to top relationships is helpful. Um, you know, sometimes it, it is just like cold calling. It is a cold email, um, stating a very appetizing case as to why a brand should partner in whatever, you know, property you're selling, whether it's a team, an esports team, a league, a stadium, uh what have you. So um it's a lot of repetition, a lot of non-response, but, um, you know, it, and it's also sometimes just luck. Like,
0: just happens. The har-
1: yeah, the, the harder you work, the luckier you are, you're, you are right? So, um, but being able to, to put a case in front, uh, sponsorship especially, uh, it's much more of a nice to have marketing spend versus a like, must have marketing spend, which would be categorized as like digital, programmatic, paid social stuff that is you know, very like low funnel, um, easy to measure your ROI. Whereas in sponsorship, how do you measure someone's preference for a brand? Because there was a cool activation at a
0: game they went to mm. hard to do. Right. There you go. So that makes it an even tougher sell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we I've used the term return on objective before not return on investment. You know, get people thinking a little bit differently Uh, because yeah, when you're asking for hefty six figure, seven figure investments from brands, uh, they definitely want to understand how it's going to benefit them and uh, being able to build that case and Reach their, you know, overcome any challenges the brand has. Uh, help them reach the objectives or goals they've laid out. That's the most important thing. It's just building around what they actually want to do, and not just throwing in
0: nonsense. You personally, what uh, could you recall a time where you signed up a brand, and your 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 deal made a huge difference on their on their business. Um, just, you know, you know how to say the Super Bowl. if you get a Super Bowl out, it takes you two years to go back to normal business, almost like double double your normal business for like two years, 18 months or two years. Like something like, wow, like that.
1: I, yeah, you know, I don't have any like off the hand case studies that, um, I could talk about, you know, deals at like the minor league level you know, that was just as simple as like, if I could get 10 people to go to this ice cream sandwich shop across the street from the arena, because we were dropping their coupons from a blimp that flew around the arena during intermissions, like that's a success. That's having an impact on their business. Um, Whether it was the, there's a restaurant chain in Texas called Pluckers, which if you're ever in the area, you should definitely attend Uh, 32 ounce beers. <laughs> uh, that's it so yeah, yeah, yeah. if if that's your if that's your style, but um, you know, getting people when we score a power play goal to go to Pluckers because now they get five free wing coupon when they walk out of the arena, you know, d- different ways to look at how it impacted their business, or did it just make them more prominent? Did it make them a leader when you know bringing HyperX into that Allied Esports family? Uh, which eventually ended up in a, a naming rights deal. It's kind of like a, a two-part process. Um, you know, How did that naming rights establish HyperX as a leader in um, gaming peripherals and audio? You know, when, when their logo's on the side of the Luxor in Las Vegas and everybody flying in and out of that city is gonna see their logo, that's, that's impactful, right? But it, that's harder to actually measure. You you, you can do your out-of-home valuations and like, ah, that's this many impressions and you're getting this value on it. But you know, I think at the end of the day, it really is like, who who was it that says like brand is what happens in your mind when you see a logo. Right? So how does it affect their brand? And that's going to be different for every person
0: that you ask. Absolutely. Absolutely. How, how have you seen the industry evolve and change since you first entered it
1: are we talking like sports industry as a whole um, pa- partnerships sports. partnerships oh. and sponsorship uh brands are getting smarter now um, and that's really kind of started as i was entering the industry there wasn't that and, and maybe maybe that's not true maybe they've always been like that um but definitely like marketing analytics with the rise of social media and paid social marketing. Um, you know, when Facebook's able to give you this hyper targeted audience, you know, you're like, Hey, we're looking for 27 year old guys that live in the South Bay of LA and um, have attended a LA Kings game before or like the LA Kings on Facebook. Right. know how there's going to be very very specific people so um, in the conversations I have brands are always looking at like okay who are your fans right and not that that hasn't been the case but they're definitely getting more strategic in how and who they partner with you know like for example like with evil geniuses we don't have a large Female audience, but we do have like platforms within our community, like a, a podcast called Live Proud, which is a like diversity and inclusion initiative for us, and that's going to have more of a female following just by the fact that it's entirely female hosted, um, um, or female identifying, and you know that is a way for us to still like silo an audience within this primarily like 80, 20 male, female demographic.
0: Well, there you go. How do you see the, the industry evolving moving forward?
1: Uh, I, you know, I think Anheuser-Busch has started a trend that, um, there's performance based partnerships. And it's not like a direct response or like direct consumer affiliate code. It's not like, okay, you're getting X dollars per Bud Light sold at your arena each year. You know, it's like, there's like an upfront investment. There's a marketing cost. There's a licensing, like intellectual property cost. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if other brands start structuring their partnerships in a way. I think that, you know, the properties will also look at it and see it as beneficial, too, um, if they can actually accomplish it, um, of building these upside agreements of, like, hey, we're going to start here, but if we're able to reach this level of viewership, if we're able to, if, you know, it's, it's like playoff bonuses, too, you know, just structuring it more on the marketing side, ver- performance side versus, like, the actual competitive performance side. Um, you know, the same way a player contract, like if they have X number at bats, they get this bonus. If they are – if they hit, um, you know, or like uh, if this team makes the playoffs, then we get another draft pick because we traded with them for a certain player and they play 50%. Like understanding how those types of player contracts and weird clauses – will apply to sponsorship and brand partnership marketing. I think it will be interesting to see how that plays out.
0: Well, performance-based sponsorship deals or partnership deals. That's, that's, that's pretty clever, right? Well, yeah, I, I think you can get
1: creative and it allows for flexibility. Like obviously you're going to have a sponsor contract at the end of the day though, like the success of your business depends on the success of that partnership. So if you're doing something with a brand and it's not really working, go back to the drawing board and figure out a way to make that work. Because at the end of the day, that check coming from that brand is going to keep the business a business. And if it's not successful and in sponsorship, it's, it's a renewal game. You know, I, I forget the ratio, but it's like the, the majority of your money should be coming from your renewals, not your new sales. Uh, so make sure that you can renew them make sure that partnership's successful and if it's not figure out why and fix it
0: that's that's going to improve organizations all around because they'll have to have crazy crazy marketing teams and PR teams and so on like that's really going to straighten things out everywhere
1: right oh I mean and like even like in esports you're seeing it more and more and like there's this kind of like this professionalization of that industry going on. It's had this sort of reputation of like being the wild west and like frat houses. And like, while some of that is, you know, warranted, um, other times it's not like at evil geniuses, we have two people solely doing sponsor and partner deliverables and activation. Right. So I'll like sell a deal and then pass it off to that team because they're focused entirely on that to make sure it's a success. know i can help build it we but we all have to work together to make sure and those activation managers are working internally with the marketing and the content teams and the player ops teams to make sure that we can deliver on things Um, and that when we do it's successful
0: very nice joe you've been in sponsorships and partnerships for a few years now you've worked with Few decent-sized organisation, professional sports team Now with the new age of esports teams, um, we need three pieces of advice for somebody looking to get into this area as a partnership manager or sponsorship manager in in the world of sport and become a great professional. You said something earlier. It's all about your network. How does somebody? from no network, build a network, start me off there and then you can go into whatever tips you can share with us. Yeah,
1: I think LinkedIn is a valuable tool to find out um, who does what, right? And, you know, I get a lot of ads on LinkedIn. I'm not trying to like brag, right? (laughs) Like I'm just saying like people add me, I think it's because like, especially esports is this like, new shiny toy for a lot of people. So he was like, I need to connect with people in eSports. But I'd say like with the networking piece, have something specific when you reach out to somebody, if it's cold, like if I get a LinkedIn note, ad rather, and they have a message like, hey Joe, saw your profile, been looking to connect with people in eSports, would love to learn about how your experience got you into eSports right like something specific um and sports as a whole too like people say how do i get a job in esports i'm like don't get a job first of all right if you want to become a social media manager in esports like get a job in marketing you know you don't have to start in sports to build those same skills that you're going to apply you know and it's always something whenever we would interview for whether it's the hockey team or whether it's an e-sports team. you like, I love Overwatch, I love hockey, I'm really passionate about it. Being passionate and liking something doesn't mean you're necessarily gonna be good at it, right? It is a business. So while yes, that's like very valuable, Like, yeah, I love hockey and I loved working for a hockey team, but that's not all that it takes. So build those skills otherwise and you know if you're just coming out of college like don't be heartbroken if you're not working uh for the Dallas Cowboys right away that's not an easy thing to do so you know like going from there like just network ask questions learn and understand the business um you know like if you're a marketer you want to be a social media manager um or you want to like do merchandise for a team, like work for Nike in a like PR role, understand how that works. And like, I've like, similar to like what I did in college, I thought that a journalism degree, while not necessarily applicable to my day to day, aside from writing a bunch of emails, uh, learning how to interview somebody, learning like, and with a journalism degree, you, I had to report on so many different things that I did not care about and I was not interested in, but now I know a little bit more about how Austin city council runs. Um, so like diversifying your exposure to different, um, professions to different segments of a business. And you might learn like, Oh wow, you know what? I thought I wanted to do marketing, but I'm actually really interested in like data analytics. Yeah. Um, you know we have people on our staff that are in data analytics. So, um, just get a job, and then you'll figure out what you want to do in sports. Because so many people have to like get in at like inside sales, right? And that's a nine-month process of you're making a hundred calls a day, you're <laughs> cold calling, you're getting hung up on, you're getting yelled at, you're not getting paid a lot of money. Like I knew a guy who he was working for the. Uh, a pro hockey team at the nhl level and was also working at chipotle because he needed to pay rent right because you're at 39 and a half hours a week benefits so you're like you know it's um there's a lot of people lined up to work in the sports industry so being able to set yourself apart as from like a professional setting because anybody can say i really like x i'm very passionate about x well great we are all are what else you got (laughs) You know, so that'd be my like one that was like probably like three or four pieces of advice wrapped up into one. Um, but also just like be a good person, be honest with people, like have candid conversations. And like probably much to my superior's dismay, like if I'm trying to sell a sponsorship and it's very obvious that we aren't a fit, I'm not going to try and push that. I'm going to be honest with them. Be like, hey, yeah, you know what? I, if I were you, I would look into this. Um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, love him or hate him, you know, he says, you know, give without Loving. expectation. Yeah. Loving. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's definitely an acquired taste. Uh, <laughs> I know some people are just, he's it's polarizing. That's how you know somebody's probably doing something right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, so. Um, you know, giving without expectation, right? So, while it may not result in a sale, if I can become a resource for somebody, that down the line, you know, they're like, Hey, Joe recommended, we do this and didn't try and like push a sale with us. You know, I'm going to, you know, I like working with him. Um, Your personal brand is just as important as if not more important than whatever brand you're working for or selling or trying to sell.
0: Wow, there you go. Some uh, interesting insight from the man himself, Mr. Joe McMahon. Joe, um, thank you very much. You've shared a ton of insight with us today. You've been amazing. Lots of tips for the young ones who are looking to build a career in sport and, um, uh, and some real advice, as they say, you know, real life advice that many of us don't hear too too often and we, we should be hearing, hearing more of. Before we wrap things up, where can people get in touch with you online? Uh, I am at
1: Joe McMahon IV on all platforms. Um, Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the best for professional connections, I'd say. Instagram is uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, you know LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to reach out. Leave a note, though. Uh, ask. Tell me why you're reaching out. So, I'll
0: just click the axe and go about my day. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe McMahon from Evil Geniuses, thank you very much for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?